When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Coming up on episode 267 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Jeep Wagoneer L, the, the 2024 Chevy Trax, Emotional ties up with Uber, GM Energy is formed, and uh, we get stuck in the Ford Bronco Raptor. All that and more coming up next. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're in the process of lining up some new sponsors for the show, and we need a little bit of information about who listens to the show. So if you've got a couple of minutes to spare, if you can go to survey.wheelbearings.media and answer a few questions, that would really help us out. Thanks. <laughs> This is episode 267 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abul Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeland from the Fast Women Podcast. And I am Roberto Baldwin from, let's say, Gadget this week. All right. Uh, and as things worked out with our schedules, uh, we're actually recording this one only two days after we recorded the last one. But yes. you won't hear it for several more days yet because of upcoming embargoes. And all three of us are doing a bunch of travel. So uh, we've got limited stuff to talk about as far as what we drove but i'm going to start with the ford bronco raptor which i've had for the last several days <laughs> was that a, what was that it's a raptor, it's a raptor. woken up it's a raptor and i made little raptor hands he did make nice little raptor yeah. hands that with that guys he did he did make the visual to go with a little roar uh so the bronco raptor is a bronco but more uh, bigger engine, three liter twin turbo V6. I think it's about 450 horsepower. Um, and uh, it's 10 inches wider. The suspension's all different <clears throat> from the, the standard uh, Bronco uh, for a lot of extra track and to accommodate 37 standard 37 inch beadlock wheels that come from the factory uh, and bigger fenders and everything. Um, and it's it looks like a Bronco on steroids. Um, and, you know, it, in most ways, it's it's very impressive. Um, but if you're interested in fuel economy, this is not the vehicle for you. <laughs> not impressive. <laughs> when it, I mean, at the regular Raptor, you're like, what's the fuel economy? Whoa, let's slow down. Look at the tire on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> when, when, I, when it was first, a couple hours after it was first delivered, I had to take it to go to a lunch meeting in, in Birmingham, Michigan, which is about an hour away from me here. And uh, mostly highway driving, and it averaged about 15 and a half miles per gallon, which, you know. In the, in the year of our Lord, 2022. Yes. a heck of a lot of money. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, the ride quality was surprisingly good, given how high up this thing sits and how big tires and everything it has on it. Um, it was the, the driving dynamics were definitely a lot better than I haven't driven the current generation F-150 Raptor yet. But the previous generation felt really soft and floppy. And when you went around corners, it kind of wandered around. This one is much more tied down. Feels much more like driving the um, um, the Jeep Gladiator Mojave. 
you know, uh, so kind of it's it's, tar- it, it's clearly targeted more for, you know, high speed desert running than necessarily driving on off-road trails. But that said, there are some ORV parks, some off-road vehicle parks here in Michigan. And yesterday I opted to to go try out the Bronco Raptor there to see how, what it could really it do. How'd it go, Sam? It sounds exciting. It, it sounds like you had it the It went best really well ever. until it didn't. Oh. Yeah, that's how all off-road. That's how all off-roading I, and track days go. I have yeah. a couple of pictures from you on my phone that tell me that the day took a definite turn. Oh yeah. So I was like, is that Sam or somebody? He's he's else. I'm like, oh, so on Sam. on sand and rocks and you know on you know on dry trails, it's fantastic. Although it is wide. Uh, the place I went to is this place called the Mounds ORV Park. It's northeast of Flint, um, and. Uh, you know, some the the trails that have been cut through this this park, you know, it's like several hundred acres of, of park and forest, you know, it's all forest. And the trails are mostly have been naturally cut over the years by the, the people that go there. Uh, so, you know, so you, you've got these um, through like over some of the hills, you've got, you know, trails that cut through there. And it's basically like going through a little mini canyon and it just barely fit through there, but it did fit. I got, it got it through everywhere. That's, as yeah. long as it fits. Yeah, no, it got, awesome. got through everywhere. Uh, you know, I think definitely uh, a Hummer EV would not have fit. <laughs> oh, no. But 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 the, the Bronco Raptor did fit everywhere that I tried to take it. Um, some places it fit a little too well. Um, you know, it was a very <laughs> snug fit. But uh, the problem I ran into and what I learned uh, the hard way yesterday is that, you know, when they put all-terrain tires on a vehicle, um, there is... There's a different, you know, all-terrain tires, you can think of them kind of like all-season tires. They are master of all, you know, or jack of all trades and master of none. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what these were, you know, big 37-inch Goodyear or uh, Goodrich um, TA, um, you know, off-road or all-terrain tires, uh, KO2s. Um, and um, uh, they're, they're, as long as the, whatever the surface is, is relatively dry, like whether it's boulders or, um logs you know or just a dirt trail you're good you definitely do not want to go in the mud with these womp, things womp. you know if it's shallow if it's a shallow you know puddle you know like a you know puddle fine um but in in when it gets muddy these tires are not good i mean like really really not good they, they basically you get in and if it's stop. and if it's like a sticky mud uh, which well, is I mean, they're good was. for the mud if the mud is trying to trap people. Oh, well, yes. And and that's what it did. It just got in there and it would just sit there and spin all four tires. Like if you oh, could have so seen so this so picture, so. Sam says, he's just, hey, look. And it's like him crawling over rocks. I'm like, that's awesome. He's like, things not so good now. It's like him <laughs> stuck in the mud in the next picture. I'm like, oh, what's gone oh, wrong here? <laughs> something's gone sideways. <laughs> oh, yes. And it definitely went sideways. Um, so, uh, yeah, it got it got into the mud and. Yeah, I mean the 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 Raptor. I think its fording depth is like thirty or thirty-two inches, something like that. So I mean, it, it has no problem with water, as long as the surface underneath the water is comparatively solid. But as soon Not as those solid. tires start to bite into the mud, they just they just stick. And and this this was like, I think it was a very clay soil underneath there. So I mean, when when I oh, got so out, it's it's almost it's like a silt. Yes, and when I when I got out, oh. you know, to to survey the situation and and then you know go for assistance, 
you know, I stepped into <laughs> this into this mud and just sunk down almost to my knees. Oh my god! In the, in the muck. Was underneath. it just you? Who was with you? Was it just, just, just you? Me. Oh my oh, there were other people in the park. There's less embarrassment when it's, but when you're by yourself, you're just like, uh, but when you're with someone, you're I mean, like, there, yeah, a, I'm a professional car driver guy. There was, a, I mean, there was a bunch of other people using the, using the park. You know, mo- it was yeah. mostly like people on dirt bikes and ATVs and stuff, but there were a couple other, you know, SUVs. And fortunately I met this really nice, uh, older couple, uh, with like a late eighties XJ Cherokee, um, you know, which clearly, they, you know, and they, we were chatting and, you know, they live like 15 minutes from there and they go there all the time. Uh, and they, you know, they were clearly prepared for what was there because they had the tires on their Cherokee were like, you know, these big like tractor tires with the, the big yeah. ridges. Um, and in fact, he was telling me, you know, he, the tires he's got are actually um, non-directional. So the, um, the, the tread on oh, each so there's side. No groove. There's no like groove you can build. It's right so so if, regardless of whether the, the tire is going forward or back it can it can get some grip in there um and if you're going to go anywhere where there's mud with a bronco raptor you definitely want tires something like that <laughs> um and you know fortunately they had you know they had a winch uh on there and you know i, I got out I, I trekked back to the the parking area and i was going to call for a tow truck uh to help me out uh and they they came along um and i you know, I asked him, Hey, you know, can I, can I pay you, you know, to help winch me out of the mud? Yeah. And he said, yeah, sure. No problem. Come on, you know, hop in, let's go. And, uh, and you know, they were really nice and, you know, didn't, didn't ask for anything. Um, but I just wanted to give them a shout out. Um, so I, thank you very much for your help. Um, thank you. Nice people who saved Sam. We needed him today. We appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could still podcast from the truck. I mean, you have wife, That's you true. had a connection. Three in the Raptor stuck in the mud down to one cheese stick in a box of crackers. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, yeah, so there there are definite limits to what you can do with you know as, as as amazing as the suspension is on this thing you know and it's got these fancy um, you know uh, remote reservoir dampers and everything on there and and big beefy suspension you know cast cast aluminum control arms and and you know the big tires and everything the you know what it ultimately always comes down to is the tires you know it's the interface between the vehicle and whatever it is you're driving on whether that yep. is a road a trail or a, a mud bog um you know it always <laughs> comes down to the tires and you know if you don't have the right tires for the job nature will win Every single time, 120% of the time, nature will find a way to beat you if you don't have the right tires. So, you know, whether it's driving in winter weather conditions, you want winter tires. Great. Um, You know, don't don't go with all seasons. If you can avoid it, get winter tires. If it comes, you know, if it's, um, you know, driving through a trail where there's going to be muddy ponds and, you know, this, this pond was not that you know this this puddle it looked more like a puddle when i saw it i said oh i can get through that <laughs> i mean it was maybe it, it was literally you that's, know that's bar- barely thing. twice the length of the vehicle you know so i mean it, it, was it, not, always, it never looks as bad as it is, is. it actually uh, unless like, you unless i can you, do that oh wait <laughs> uh, unless you get out and like walk into it and see you know and, and feel yourself sink into the muck and then you realize okay i better go this way instead and uh yeah. So I learned um, I'll, I'll definitely be going back there again, but I know what what areas to avoid now. 
no, it's no, it's 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 it's. I I when I had the 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 R1T, I took it up to uh, Hollister. It's an off-road park here in, in Northern California. It's great. It's got I don't know how many miles, but lots of miles of road. And we were driving it around. We're doing a video shoot, and we're driving past where you do the rock crawling. And there's these. It's it's rainy. And there's these three gentlemen, they're up there with their, you know, their Ford, you know, their Tundra and their Forerunner, and, you know, they're all tricked out. And they haven't gone past this one point. I'm like, I wonder what's going on. And so we go up there, and the vehicle, you know, it's it's got four motors, it's all-wheel drive. And we get up there, and what it is is there's a thin layer of silt over hard pack. Oh, God. And so it's like driving on ice. Mm-hmm. And the wheels are just like immediately get like filled with silt. And so we're driving and, and just sliding all over the place. And I realized that there's a, there's a camber to the, <laughs> to the road. And if we keep going and I, and like, okay, where am I going to turn around? Cause I can't turn around here because I'll just slide into a gulch. <laughs> and again, it all comes down to like, okay, well, what, what are the wheels that I have or the tires that I have right now? Okay, this is this this is an inappropriate use of these tires. <laughs> Let me turn around and go back to the other off-roading part where it's not like this, and and I'll be fine. But yeah, it's it's this it's you, you have to you, you just can't think. Oh, I got all-wheel drive. I got an off-road vehicle. I'm just gonna go for it. Like, whoo, 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 hold on. I know you just got it from the from the factory or from the showroom, but get get an off-road friend. Yes. Call Emmy Hall. Ask her what she. There you go. <laughs> Call Emmy Hall, and she'll just tell you whatever you want you to know. Um, some some things I really did appreciate about the the Bronco, and this this is not exclusive to the Raptor, is um, when you're in off road modes, it can keep the cameras on that speeds up to about twenty miles an hour. Whereas you know when you're on road, um, uh, the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards require the cameras to shut off at about uh, five miles, four or five miles an hour. Um, and so for off-roading, you know, you have the front camera and you have the, the surround view cameras and you can get multiple views, which, especially when you're on your own, um, you know, and you're going through these, um, and you, if you don't have a spotter and you're going through these tight spaces to be able to see what's down in front, especially you're going over a hump and you don't know what's on the other side. Um, you know, having that camera that can show you, oh, that's what's over there. I think I'm going to back up and go the other way instead. Um, you know, that, that is really, really helpful. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, the, the various goat modes that they have, the off-road and, um, the, the, the rock crawl and so on, uh, are also really helpful on this thing. One thing uh, that I noticed, especially after I got into the, the Jeep with that couple, um, that, that I did find a little bit annoying, and this is not a complaint exclusive to the Bronco. Um, but you know, because the, the Bronco doesn't have a manual shift between four high and four low, like you do in a lot of older vehicles. In fact, you know, even modern Jeeps, uh, like, or like the Wrangler does have that, um, you know, it's an electronic shift, you know, so you've got that knob on the the console. Oh yeah. yeah. And Mm -hmm. so you've got to stop, put it in neutral, um, and then press the four low button to get it into four low. And, um, you know, then you've got to wait, you know, it takes a little while before it executes all this stuff. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, with a manual system, you still have to stop, you know, when you shift from four high to four low, but you know, the, the, the guy was shifting between four high and four low much more quickly than I could, uh, with the Bronco. Uh, so so you have momentum. So it's like when you get stuck, like a lot of times you want to like either rock or or bounce Mm -hmm. the vehicle to Mm -hmm. sort of get it out. 
And that's where I'm like, I, every time every, when, when we don't get manual transmissions for off-roading, like you can't really do that sort of rocking thing. That rock yeah. back and forth. Yeah. yeah it's hard you to can't do. do that rock back and forth that we used to do as kids. When you get like cars that were definitely not made to go off-road, but we would <laughs> to get that them out. Didn't stop us. <laughs> yeah, that didn't stop us because we had manual transmissions. You could rock it, you could, and you can cram it in the high. You can cram it in the low real quick. And we probably broke a lot of transmissions. Possibly, <laughs> yeah, maybe, but maybe one or two details. It was the it was the it was the eighties and early nineties. No, there were no rules. <laughs> so um, the, uh, the the Bronco Raptor starts at uh, like seventy three thousand four hundred something like that. Uh, mine was about seventy nine thousand four hundred dollars. Um, and uh, let's let's have the uh, destination charge guess. Mm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, oh, oh, uh, oh, thirteen hundred. Twelve ninety five. Robbie gets it again. Fifteen ninety five. Dang it! Really? Fifteen ninety five. Oh, even when I went under, he's so sneaky. You gotta yeah. go under, Robbie. That's the rule. I did. I went twelve ninety five. I went. You got oh. under too. You, did, you didn't. I go was over. under too. Yeah. I didn't think it would be that much. I I probably should have known better. Yeah. So um, you know, a nearly eighty thousand dollar SUV, um, and if you're if you're gonna take it anywhere, and you know, granted, you know, probably ninety five percent of the people that buy these will never actually go off roading with it um which is you know, some why, nice light off-roading yeah you know it'll be a gravel driveway things like there'll that. be a dirt yeah. road in their future somewhere yeah. <laughs> but you know they're probably never going to take it to a place like the mounds um but um uh, if you are going to take it somewhere like that or somewhere you know where there's mud or you know deep slushy snow because same thing i've had the same thing happen before and slushy snow um you know these all-terrain tires not good in those conditions um they're, mm -hmm. they're great on dry stuff you know, running across the desert, you know, across the Mojave, you know, no problem at all. Uh, doing, you know, doing the Baja 1000, not a problem at all. But uh, if you get into the muddy stuff or slushy or snow stuff, wow, wow. you're going to be, you're going to be in trouble unless you get some different, very different tires. Water yeah. always oh, wins. That's one, the, that's the... Yes, that's true. It, <laughs> it does. That is, I mean, that's where do you that's... think the Grand Canyon came from. Yeah. Water always <laughs> wins. <laughs> um, one, one other complaint I do have about this, um, you know, it's got the, the spare tires mounted on the tailgate and then uh, uh, up, a, you know, you've got, uh, like this little gooseneck thing with the rear, the, the center rear brake lamp that comes up over the top of that. When you're in the driver's seat, that basically blocks about three quarters of the view out the rear window. Oh. So, uh, so Ford really should put uh, a digital camera mirror system in the Bronco Raptor. I mean, you know, for 80 grand, you know, go ahead and do that. Yeah, so you can see what's behind you. Do that. Yeah. Also, and also those, those things need, what is that? Diop? What's the thing where you can change the, the, the focus on your camera? Like your like your DSLR. Oh, I know what you're talking oh. about. But I have no idea what it's called. The the, yeah, the focal I, length or the no, there's just so your eyes like oh, if you for, have, like if you're if you're far sighted yeah for focusing yeah I think those things need to be on those rear view camera things. I don't as I, get I don't older, know that you can actually yeah. do that though because because oh, you're not looking at a reflection. I, mean, I know if, if, if you're just, looking at a camera, if you just but change you're... the focus of it. You're it's just going to be blurred all the time. No, there's got to be a way to do that. Yeah. There's got to be somebody. Because with the, with the reflection, asked, you're actually focusing on people. what's behind you rather than than the yeah. The so you yeah. So you have you have infinity focus when you're when you're looking yeah. at reflection when you're looking yeah. at the the thing. So you should be able because the same thing. If I look in my camera, like I can adjust it. So right. It's like out of focus for regular people. But as I get older and I like I yeah. end up taking some medication once that like messed up my <laughs> eyes for the rest of my life. So like my nearsightedness. If I get tired, yeah. I can't see very well. 
um, yeah, they should, they need that because more and more people are, you know, the, the, the population is getting older. Yep. We have fewer young people than we have old people. And, uh, for the old, like myself, um, that would, you know, eventually it's going to be worse because, you know, you get old and your eyes just like, ah, forget it. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, e- but, even, but even though the, the rear brake light thing is blocking your view, it does give you an extra, another view though, because when you, when you look at it, when you see it in the mirror, you can see the word Raptor uh debossed on the plastic and when you when you open up the tailgate you, you look at it you see it, it's actually a mirror image of it so that when you uh, see it in the mirror that's you cool. see oh, it the right cool. way yeah. that's cool i mean i'd rather actually uh, see you know what's what? behind me <laughs> <laughs> whatever you know, but if you can't mind. see what's behind you cool little logo is, cool. is yeah. a great alternative what? my friend had a 68 mustang fastback 60 i think it was a 68 i feel like if it was 69 we would have been giggling about it the entire time um it had the the high beam low beam mm-hmm. uh, signal was a little Mustang and when you made it high beam it like would turn red and so oh really a horse, oh that's cool a little horse would light up and I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in any car Excellent. it didn't matter anything the car was a piece of it looked great but yeah. it was in, it wasn't a great car it broke down all the time you know it was an old you know it was yeah you know I had a Honda Civic at the time so they were like we're all taking your car because our cool looking car uh, broke down. <laughs> But that was like, I was like, oh, I got to figure out how to do that. My Honda with the little Honda symbol. I'm sure there's probably some regulatory issue why you can't do that now. But probably little those little touches, though, those make all the difference. Yep. All right. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip up hoodie that used to be navy blue, but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old. Soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters. Because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you can support wheel bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Nicole. Yes. Your turn. My turn. Okay, so I'm going to talk about something. (laughs) And I sound terrible because I have a cold. So let's see how much I cough through this. But um, so last week I was in Nashville and I drew, drove, I drove the Nissan Aria. (laughs) See, already it's out. Forget it. Too much cold meds. Um, So I drove the Aria, which is their new 
EV. Now it's been around actually, like, I think the first drives of this really, did you do this Robbie in Spain? I did. I went to Spain yeah. and I, I flew all the way to Spain right? and it wasn't ready for like public roads. Uh -huh. So what they did is they set up a track in Spain and we weren't doing like track lap. We weren't doing laps at the track. What they did is they set up little scenarios on the track. Like this is what it would be like if you were at a stoplight. Oh and this gosh. is like a chicane. And this is a roundabout. And this is a mountain road. And so you would be driving and then like there'd be all these cones set up and little like <laughs> signs and everything. And then you do the little thing like you were driving around. Oh, and geez. it was raining like crazy um, like half the time. But it but it, you know it's you know, it's not like driving on a road right obviously. but it was a nice it was it was like a little appetizer a little appetizer well we got yeah. the and i drove the main I, course the, yeah i drove that track like 30 times i feel like because i'm like i'm already here in spain i'm not going to drive it once and be like oh that's good enough nope that's i'm good. just going to keep going <laughs> well we had a we had a nice lengthy drive outside nashville um we just did the front wheel drive there is an all-wheel drive version of it but it's coming later so they didn't have that um and there's also long range and short range batteries. There is a trim lineup that I find redonkulously confusing. Like it's like engage <laughs> and then engage e-force. And then there's the engage plus e-force, which is the, yeah, it's seven, seven, eight, however many fingers Robbie's there's holding eight. up. There's eight. eight. And the names is like, they, they don't, the all wheel drive ones are called the e-force ones. And I, I want to make that its own trim. Like, no, that just means it's the same thing. They just added all wheel drive and the plus means it's longer. It's like, Ah, it's, I, I find it confusing. Um, yeah. So trim lineup hated, but the car I really liked. I thought it drove really nicely. Um, it's kind of upscale for a Nissan. Like it's, I felt like it was a really nice interior. It looks the interior is so nice. Yeah. Like, and it's not like Nissan has bad interiors, but they don't have particularly like stunning interiors, I guess. Yeah. And this one felt to me like it was better than a typical Nissan. Like they stepped up their game. So I really give them a lot of credit for that. There's a couple of features that I really, 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 really liked. So the center console, there's a button on the side of it and it slides forward and it slides backwards. Did you play with that, Robbie? A little bit, yeah. Every it's so, Hyundai it's does that a, too on the Ionic 5. You can slide yeah, the I console love it. See a little slide over, but then there's another button. So if you look under the dashboard, it just it looks very plain, like you don't see any like glove box or anything. But if you push again on a different button on the center console, there's this little drawer that pops open and comes out from right the center of the of the dashboard. Whoop, and it has a little lid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you can push the lid back and there's a decent amount of storage in there. Like you can stick a good amount of stuff in and you can open it or close it as far or as little as you want. So if you just want to open a little bit, if you want it fully open. Um, and they said like when it stopped, that little drawer cover that goes on top of it, there's this little cover you just push back with your hand. You could use it as a table. So say you're sitting there and you're stopped and you're having your McDonald's lunch on the go or whatever. You have like a little table surface there, which is kind of nice. Put I your filet fish on put it. Put your filet fish on there or your McRib if you're insane. Or, or maybe McRibs. some crumble cookies. Or crumble cookies. crumble cookies. I feel like, oh, I should do it like sizing like golf clubs in a thing. I feel like you could only... <laughs> how many I crumble feel, cookies? How many crumble <laughs> cookies? I feel like this could hold perhaps three crumble cookies. Not quite four, but you'd have to have like one on towards the front and like two towards the back, like a little triangle. You could probably fit three crumble cookies on this We need a new tray. unit of measurement beyond... Uh, That's my uh, unit of measurement uh, now. For golf clubs. There we go. How many The golf club's cookies? unit of measurement, because it does... I'm like, I don't know. I don't golf. But I know. There, I, must like, be, there has to be enough people who golf that automakers keep telling us this. And I'm like, how many people who golf? Be better, you know, be you know who golfs? Thing than golf clubs? Automaker executives. Uh, but what would be our standard? Like, okay, if we weren't going to do golf clubs, 
I, what would you I do my instead? I do my inflatable paddleboard. Inflatable paddleboard. Okay. <laughs> I, roll, roll I think the like board, a if it rolling fits in of there. the roll. Uh, uh, what do you call it? The the thing you take on the airplane. Roller that bags. I, <laughs> rolling things. On. You're rolling. Like you're that's rolling a more common bag. one. Most people yeah, know the little rectangular roller. Because no one bag. wants. No one wants to pay to like check a bag if they can help it. So everyone or wait has... for an hour and mm -hmm. risk their yeah. bag being lost. It yeah, should be bag in roller bags. Yeah. It should be in roller bags. This that is how this is the unit two of two roller bags wide, three roller bags roller across. Bags that would totally resonate with ninety percent of the population. Yeah, everyone's but, like, oh yeah, yeah, oh okay, I understand saying, what a roller bag is now. So um, yeah, so. Aria, I liked it. I like the little features. I like the sliding center console. I like that little deployable dash storage. Um, the, the one negative is the charging. It doesn't charge as quickly as, say, the Ionic 5 and EV6. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I believe it's 130 kilowatt charging in um, the Aria, which is like a little on the the lower the, side and and today times. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, like when it, you at drove least it, 150. Yeah. And when on. you drove it back in whatever Robbie April I mean if it had maybe been coming oh gosh, out in April maybe it would have not felt as slow as it feels now yeah. in October where you're looking at what's out there and what's coming out and you're like that's kind of slow and I mean granted yeah. you can't take advantage of some of the fastest charging because not all the chargers support that but still and and even when they to. nominally support that right you know, they don't often don't work <laughs> so right yeah so, so you know because so, if you get like 200 and you get to a 350 and you're getting like 170 you're like all right this is cool that's fine yeah. but, but you if you can... got like 140 and you're at a 150 and you're getting like 110 or you're getting like 70 you're like oh <laughs> right and the most you can ever get <clears throat> is 130 on this so i mean you might not even get that <clears throat> excuse me you might only get like you said 70 but the most you can ever get is 130 so i think that's probably the biggest drawback that and the fact yeah. and this is the case with like i think every new ev that's out there the reservations are full for this you can't currently reserve one you might get lucky and find one that's not spoken for on a dealer's lot maybe kind of when, when are they actually going to start delivering these um i believe deliveries fall? are starting Early, relatively fall. soon i don't have that in front of me sam i'm sorry i didn't write that write that down um but i know the front wheel drive ones are definitely like those are coming first. If you're if you're looking for all-wheel drive, you better make sure that your old one, old car yeah. holds on for just a little bit longer because that one's going to be a bit out there. But I feel like the front-wheel drives are coming pretty soon. Did you drive? Uh, did you have a chance to drive the E-Force uh, vehicle? No, because like they it, had a they had a Leaf they had a Leaf in Spain that had E-Force on it. Oh no, we it did really, not. It it was really nice. It was I I, I was really impressed. I think I, I I'm really happy that Nissan. Like, you know, an automaker that, you know, in the, the 90s and in the 80s was like, yeah, you know, hard body trucks and the Nissan Sentra, which was sort of, you know, everyone had the red Nissan Sentra sedan. Right. Um, you know, that was a big deal. And then uh, the last like 10, 15 years, not so much, but, I, you know, they have they have the Kicks, they have the Z, they have the Aria. I feel like they're doing good. good. I, what I like about the Aria is I'm hoping <clears throat> that this is where Nissan continues to go with the quality of its interior and the features yeah. and the style. Like if this is, if this is a preview of where we can expect new Nissans to go as they're refreshed or as they're all new or as new models are introduced, I think that bodes really very well for the brand because it it's, it's really good. The interior is mm -hmm. good. I like yeah. it. One, one downside, um, all the Arias for now are going to be built in Japan, which means no eligibility for clean vehicle uh, credits. Right. So you will have to pay full freight. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Yeah. 
That's yeah. unfortunate. Everyone's moving their everyone's moving factories or opening factories quicker in the United States. They're yeah, trying, I'm, I'm, but it's I'm, not I'm guessing, something you can do I mean, in two still, seconds. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> we'll see Nissan throw a tent up. at at production <laughs> of the Aria either in Smyrna or Canton, Mississippi, in at the next point. two years. Yeah, mm-hmm. jobs for people. J O B's. As the kids say. And I get to try hot chicken because it was in Nashville. So I was really excited. I got to have I got to have some Nashville hot chicken while I was there, which makes right. me happy. You'll, you'll have to have some more this week to clear your I know. Misses. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll both be in Nashville this week uh for right. the Toyota Crown. Toyota Crown, oh. Toyota Corolla, Toyota Highlander. I feel like there's oh more. God, so many I think things. it's just those Toyota three. Just, just those three. Toyota's like, how many cars can we shove into it? And a, how many event? cars can we put into a three-day drive? There's so many events that I'm not allowed to go on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I did a really good job not traveling in September, but like October, I'm like, okay, well, now I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> so now I must travel. <laughs> so now I must travel, and I keep bringing things up. My wife's like, no, you're going to where and where and where, and now you want to go where? I'm like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, no, you may not. No. I added a car to the thing. You yes. added a car okay. to the thing? What did, what did you add? <clears throat> I added the EQS SUV, the Mercedes-Benz Ooh. SUV. I forgot that I drove it because it was I was it's it was weeks ago and is when I couldn't do the podcast. And so I remembered after you talked about going off-road that I took the EQS SUV, the Mercedes-Benz uh SUV of EQSs. <laughs> so it's really it's a weird <laughs> their, their, a their weird... new naming convention with their EVs is if 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 it could if it was possible is even more confusing than their old naming convention when they only had internal combustion engines. Yeah, it was like the S blah 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 numbers. Yeah, and you're like, wait, what's wait? Oh, okay, what is the C? Well, they they had they had the you know just one letter for the sedans and then GL and a letter for the SUVs. Vs. Yeah, and and now instead of GLS EQ, yeah. you know, or something like that, it's EQS SUV. So, yeah. <laughs> It could be EQ. No, I guess you're. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. That's what happens when you you're like okay, stake in the ground. This is what we're doing. And you had like Etron, and then they had the Etron, then they had the Etron, they had the Etron, and then the Etron. Yeah. <laughs> and then. And then the Etron uh, GT. And then the Etron GT. And now and the Q4 Etron. Etron. Q4 Etron. Right. Like, is it before? I remember having to call them and ask or email them and like hold or talk to them about video for the. Uh, so I drove the RS e-tron gt and i was like wait where does the rs go <laughs> <laughs> is it e-tron gtrs or e-tron rsgt or rsgt yeah yeah i was in the snow in canada standing in front of a camera and I'm like wait and walking over to the 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 the, the, the Audi, uh, representative I'm like wait where does rs go in the naming <laughs> of this vehicle so when i say it on <laughs> is it R? he's like R, rs starts and then you go e-tron okay Anyway, back to the EQS <laughs> SUV. Uh, <laughs> uh, went to uh, Colorado to drive it, and they said, hey, we're going to go off-road. And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> and so I anticipated uh, the Palisade off-road yes. adventure, where we went on. It was mostly just you know a nice dirt, dirt road. Just a little we dirt drove road. Around. There was a puppy we saw. We, we did saw see some... puppy. He was we so it. cute. We all saw that puppy, and it was a nice little drive. We were like, yeah. all right. And then I drove it around wherever we were at. North Carolina? Yeah. It was a Carolina. I'm going with it North, was North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say it was North Carolina. We drove around North Carolina. Delightful. Rain. It, it, it also was raining like crazy when I was there. Mm. Um, and so I was, I, that's what I anticipated with the EQS SUV. Yes. Which is, if you're looking for, if you if you like the EQS, 
You're gonna like the EQS SUV because a, I think the design language looks better on an SUV than it does on a on a sedan. I feel the sedan still feels. I think people are like, it looks like a Camry. I think that that sort of making it a little taller and wider, that sort of bubbly look that they're using for the EQs, um, looks nicer on a uh, on an SUV. Uh, you're you know whether or not you think that's true or not is up to you. Um, it has it still has the standard 10 degrees of rear steering, which you know in a big vehicle. I, I drove the EQS, uh, the regular sedan, around for a week, and after that week, I've I have determined that every large vehicle needs rear steering. Um, <laughs> it's 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 like it's a game changer. Like oh my gosh, like you could do yeah no it's great and it's great in the SUV, it's wonderful. And then we're like, hey, we're going off-roading. And I drove all the way up to the middle of nowhere. And then we did proper off-roading, like wheels in the air. Wow. Like we had to do like super tight turns. Like we had a person in the vehicle with us to make sure we didn't get stuck in a mud bog at any point. And it like was Sam, raining. I mean... Again, it was raining. I don't know what the deal is with me and rain. I, I wish I could bring it back to California. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I drove the 450 Plus, the 454 Matic, and the 584 Matic. And they started at one hundred and four thousand dollars for the four fifty plus, which is sort of the the ruble drive. Um, and then the formatic is one hundred seven, and then the five eighty is one hundred twenty six thousand dollars. That's the starting price. And I'm just going to say, just get the middle one, four fifty, formatic. You're you're going to be fine. It you know it drives really well. It still feels like a Mercedes. It does actual proper off roading. Uh, again, we you know wheels in the air. And that rear wheel steering <clears throat> was so great because we there was this really tight turn, and the the gentleman that was with me, the the co-driver, who was like, "Okay, everyone thinks you're not being able to make it. You can make it." He's like, "Just wait till you turn and then turn here." And I was like, "I was like, oh, okay, whatever." And then when we we got to it, when I actually saw what we had to do, I'm like, "Oh, I don't think we're gonna make it." And we made it. <laughs> well, you know, it's, this this is the tight. thing about this is the thing about media drives. You know, they have gone through every oh, inch the of, whole thing. of yeah. that off-road route they know if it's going to make it or not if mm. they tell you it's going to make it it's going to make it you know, which they is, tell you which it's going to make it but you know like sometimes it feels like your it does they don't make margin it. Well, of error is very small and you're like should my tire decide to slip one half inch on this rock smack i'm gonna hit a rock like there's, yeah there's a lot of that where right. that's that's why there's someone else in the it. car but the, yeah. you know but they they also make sure that you know if there are puddles you know visible puddles you know that that you know, there if it if there's any risk of it getting stuck, you know, they are not gonna take you down that trail. They're gonna take yeah. you somewhere else. They tend so, to take you places so where they so feel quite, they're pretty they're pretty certain you're gonna get out of it. Right. Yeah. It's quite it's yeah. quite different from you know doing this on your own in the real world after you've bought the vehicle. <laughs> and it had different tires, the yes. wheels the, it had yeah. different tires than the one we were driving than the regular. So we got into different EQSs. Um, but you know, we we you know, we were going over rocks. We were going. It was really. I was really quite impressed with how well the the vehicle. So, if you live in Alaska or Montana, <laughs> and you're a fancy, fancy individual, and you were like, you know what? I want an EQS. I want a. I want an electric Mercedes Benz. I'm gonna. I'm gonna charge it on my my ranch. I have solar panels, and you know, I have all these things. I'm off the grid because uh, society's gonna collapse. I have like all my prepper stuff, and I still want to be able to get off of my ranch. I still want to be able to go. You know get things i'll throw some different you know some better tires on here and i can do it in my eq i can do it and be very comfortable <laughs> although uh, I, I would suggest that you know if you're in alaska you might want to hold off for a while before you select an electric suv like that you know while it's certainly capable you know 
charging is still pretty limited in Alaska. And, you know, yeah, there's yeah. people, they don't go anywhere. Yeah. They stay in there. I'm talking about preppers. That's what oh, okay. <laughs> you stay in your town, you get some stuff, you order your, you order your, your, your supplies from the local grocer, and then you, you, you're ready for the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> So as you're ready for the as you're as you're you're ready for the apocalypse, the EQS SUV, it's the nicer. Uh... <laughs> that should be. I feel like that's marketing. EQS SUV, ready for the apocalypse. <laughs> in, in style, in luxury, in style. Because you can't. You know what? If 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 society collapses, yeah. Oh, we got gas engines. Hey, guess what? Gas goes bad. You're gonna have a refinery at your house? No, but you're gonna have solar panels at your house. I was gonna say, where are you gonna get solar panels? You're gonna solar charge your EQS SUV. Yep. And you have a wind, you can put, throw some windmills. I mean, people have all the, you know, the prepper, they know what they're doing. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So we took it off road. It did a great job. Uh, far more impressive than I anticipated on road. Um, it just felt like, you know, an EQS that was an SUV, uh, very comfortable, um, very, very luxurious. Very Mercedes. Well. The 580, um, you know, it's, it's quick. But again, it, uh, I don't think you need the 580. I think the 450 Matic is the the one for one. the price point. Yes, you can go faster in the 580, mm -hmm. but it's a it's a Mercedes SUV. It's the EQS. Where, where are you row? going? There is a third row, um, and I th I'm pretty sure what the uh, what I was told back in the day at some other event was that it was for people five, four and shorter. Yeah. Cause like, I'm, I'm looking at a profile shot of the EQS SUV right now. And, and they say it's fine, <laughs> but it's, they, they, the, the, the one thing about Mercedes is they don't, they just tell you exactly like, Oh, don't put tall people back there. Like other places yeah. like, well, you know, that the Mercedes is very much like, no, don't, I do don't even try it. We're not going to lie. <laughs> like, to you don't, this do is it. the size of the human you can put in the back of the V. So yeah. I didn't bother trying to get into, I don't really bother getting I into think the you should try. Anymore. I think that would be like our golf club club measurement. How hunched just, over is Robbie? In the back how, like, like what degree of is my spine twisted? <laughs> what are the chances he's going to need a chiropractor on a scale of one to 10? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't even think that, do they have a third row one. I didn't see one there. They had a bunch of them. And again, I've the, the getting into the third row thing for for the lulls is not my my jam anymore because I'm old and you just, just could not be bothered. Do it. It's just like, and it's a picture that we I never use. It's just like, oh, I don't fit in the third row. Yeah, we knew that. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who knows you knows that. <laughs> yeah, everyone and everyone who's buying a third row vehicle unless they're getting like a you know the Navigator or something like that, they know they yeah. know that it's like okay, I'm buying this thing with a third row. It's for like a toddler. Or every, you know, the time I have to drive across town with like a bunch of my friends and I put the shortest ones back there and we're only driving five miles. They're not going to have a good time, but we all get the same, take the same. And the number of times, really, you're right. The number of times in OEM will say, oh, you know, our third row is really accessible and you can really get back there. I'm like, well, I appreciate that the second row slides forward. You still have to be a toddler or under five feet tall to actually sit back there and be comfortable. Unless or it's a just... Jeep Wagoneer L. Well, the Jeep Wagoneer yeah, L is like the, two cars. You throw in L in there. It's gigantic. I feel like, I feel like if you throw the word L in any, uh, or not the word, but the letter L in anything, that third row better be proper. There better be people who five nine. You should five nine should be comfortable in the back <laughs> and the anything with an L, in the uh, in the name. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a it's you know it's it's a 
it goes off road. I'm I'm really looking forward to the G wagon, the electric G wagon when that shows up, because that's going to be for real, real off road, which no one will do like a regular G wagon. No one takes a G wagon off road. Do they do that they just... when they do G wagons? You get to test those out off road. I've I've like only driven a G wagon for about thirty seconds. I've never driven a G wagon. Every time I tell a Mercedes Benz that, they're like, "What are you talking about?" Why haven't you? Ne- I'm like, well, it just hasn't come up. They're like, we're going to get one in the fleet, and then it hasn't shown up yet. We had one. They're for like, the we Rambo. swear we're going to get you one. Yeah, we- they, they keep te- they keep telling me they're going to get me one. I just haven't got. I need to get into one just for the sake of the the electric G wagons coming at some point. We had but- one up here for the Ragtop Ramble over the summer, and I drove it like halfway to like for a couple hours or so. I'm like, this is fantastic. I had a very short drive in it. I had the most beautiful headrest of magic situation they were the most oh, comfy the, did they have the puffy headrest oh, they were super puffy it was like i don't I just... like the puffy head oh i liked it it was beautiful you're wrong robbie it was the most wonderful thing no, it... but that was well, in my, my neck very... is wrong apparently it's because you're a giant well um... i have a giant i have a really big head <laughs> i have a really like we think we already talked about it's like the yes. small torso like long gangly arms mm-hmm. and legs and then just giant head well, I loved it. I thought that the, the ex- pillowy so if you were, if you were to draw a stick figure just... of, of Robbie, you would just have like a point with like four <laughs> arms, two legs coming out and a, and and a head a on giant the top. Giant head. No, no, no <laughs> I don't know if my torso is shorter and I don't really know. I've never actually measured it, but I'm just assuming just because my arms and legs are so long and floppy. I'm like the thing, you know, with the, the car that the crazy floats. man, the crazy man, the dancing crazy, the crazy man. man. That's what my arms are. They're just flopping well, around. Well, uh, I, yeah, as an example, um, I don't know if you, if either of you know uh, Jim McCraw, um, veteran auto writer. He's semi-retired these days, but back in 2008 when BMW launched the original X6, uh, we uh, we were both on that that program, and the two of us were got into the back seat of the X6. And Jim is like six foot three, six foot four. Mm. He's about your your height, Robbie, um, and I'm you know five ten, five eleven, and we get in there. And my head was rubbing against the ceiling and Jim wow. had like at least a couple inches of clearance in there. Cause you know, he had proportions more like, more like yours, you know, mm-hmm. so shorter torso, long legs and arms. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, you know, I mean, that's a good example of how different people's bodies are and why you should always, before you buy something, especially if you're going to spend big bucks on it, but before mm-hmm. you buy at least, I mean, ideally you want to drive it, but at the very least sit in it. And make sure you actually yeah. fit and get in and out a few times and make sure you're not going to be knocking your head or your knees or anything and you know in in ways that are going to really irritate you after a week of ownership. And I add to that if you're a parent that has kids and you're looking at any SUV mm. or minivan or sedan or whatever, take the car seats to the yes. dealership with you. And if they're like, Oh, your car seats are icky, we don't want it in the car, don't buy the car. Like yeah. find Just a way to away. put the car seats in. See what it's like. Put your kids in them. Make sure that your kids like make sure it works. You'd be surprised sometimes how once you get the car home, it's like this is murder trying to get a car seat in here. This yeah. doesn't fit the way I thought. This doesn't work the way how, I thought. Yeah. The door, like the rear door, if it doesn't open yeah, enough, it's, like it's if it doesn't open enough for like a regular person, you're like, oh, this is fine. I can still get in and out. But if you're trying to get a kid in right. and out of there, and like the, the door, if the entry is narrow, like and you're you're trying to wedge yourself in there and put the kids in. And parents, seriously, like if you you got a probably diaper put, bag, yeah, you like you've got all this stuff. It's not easy to wrangle a toddler into a car. And I say that as someone who hasn't had a toddler in many years, but I have like traumatizing memories <laughs> of trying to squish them in. Make sure you can get your kids in the car. Yeah, <laughs> sit in the car. Dang it. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Well, I, I already mentioned uh, another big SUV that Nicole yes. and I drove uh-huh. recently. Um, let's talk about that next. Okay. The, um, the Jeep Wagoneer L. Uh, and we went to Montana to drive this thing, Bozeman. Um, and we even got to spend some time with Jim Morrison, the head we of did. Jeep North America, uh, and got some crumble cookies with Jim. Uh, it was the first time he'd ever been to crumble and that man has a sweet tooth. I don't know how this has eluded him all these years, but well, uh, I mean, it was, it was your idea to hijack him and, it uh, was. and Mrs. Morrison was there cause they, they were there for their wedding anniversary the week yep. before. And she really, Aww. she really appreciated that the Jim came back. He came back with a little cookies. late, but yes. came back with a bunch of cookies and she yes. was very appreciative of that. So, <laughs> so what, what did you think of the Wagoneer L? You know, I, I feel like the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer in general are for a very specific audience. You know, that over the top luxury car, they're huge, they're big, they have all the features. There's something very grand about them. The L makes it even bigger. Yes, exactly. Like they're, they're, they're just giant. They're everything. And then 12 inches longer when you make the L and most of that, I believe is in the cargo area. I don't think it does. It's, it's a lot. split. Uh, I think it's about four inches in the rear, in the third row seat area, and then eight inches in the cargo area. So, yeah. So you get a little bit more third row. You get a lot, a lot of additional cargo room. Um, if you're someone who has a large family and you're often carrying a lot of stuff, I think the L is a great option. Like if you were trying to decide between the two, like I'm getting a Grand Wagoneer. Well, I don't, I have three kids. I don't really have a lot of stuff. I just want this giant car. Fine. I have four kids or I have five kids. I'm often carrying a a lot of people with me and a lot of stuff. That extra cargo room can make a big difference if you're camping or doing something, or even if you have kids who are really involved in sports and you're carrying a lot of sports equipment in the back of the car. Great idea. I don't think for most people you need the L. And I also, the, and the biggest drawback to it, let's take the fact that these are not inexpensive vehicles off the table because they are pricey. If you're already looking at that kind of budget, they're difficult to park in big, in like in normal parking spaces. Now there's all sorts of features and there's cameras and all these things to help you park, but they are big. So you will find even when you're, you know, you're smack between the lines, you still don't have a lot of clearance on either side, which means if you do have kids getting out of the car, you're going to wonk the cars next to you with the doors all the time. Um, so that's like literally the big drawback. They're wide, they're long. Like I was pulled all the way into a spot. My nose couldn't have been any further in because I was, you know, right up against the grill of the car that I was pulling straight into. It still sticks out a pretty good bit in the back, you know? So it has sort of truck-ish dimensions to it, which is something you either like or you don't like. I happen to really like the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. And if I was looking for a long wheelbase variant, I would have no hesitation getting these as long wheelbase because the other piece of the puzzle with these guys is that if you want to go off-road, but much like the Mercedes G-Wagon, don't know that you're going to, but you can. Like there's some genuine off-road capability in these that you're not going to find like in a Navigator or an Escalade or something like that. So I like it. It's just big big yeah well and and i mean we noticed this you know last year when we drove the the regular non-l wagoneer um and you know out of manhattan the the wagoneer is four inches wider than a ford expedition and Mm -hmm. two and a half inches wider than than the gm suvs the 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 uh the tahoe and yukon and suburban so i mean it it was already wide and it's longer it was about Mm -hmm. three or four inches longer than the corresponding standard wheelbase versions of the Ford and GM models. 
and now the L is also longer than the you know the suburban and the extended length versions of the others. So yeah, it is it is a big beast of a vehicle, and you know certainly the sensors and the electronics help, but you know that that only goes so far. You know when right. you simply cannot fit it into a parking space. Uh, you know the sensors 19 aren't nineteen feet long. Yeah. It's long. It's, a, it's, it's long. A, it's a big beast of a vehicle. The the other thing that's you know that's new for the 2023 model year, that, you know, it's launching with the Wagoneer Elm, but is also available on the standard Wagoneers, um, is the new uh, Hurricane inline six cylinder engine. Um, right. Yeah, those. and and that was you know a big part of you know the why we wanted to drive these. Um, you know, so the and the the uh, the base Wagoneer. Uh, L, you get the uh, the standard Hurricane. So this is a three liter uh, twin turbocharged inline six. It's based on the architecture of the two liter turbo that they've had in some in the Alfa Romeo, Stelvio, and Julia, and in some of the in the the Wrangler and some of the other Jeeps for a couple of years now. Basically, adding a couple more cylinders on there, and then so you get 420 horsepower in that base version, and then there's the Hurricane 510 which you get in the, in the grand Wagoneers, which, you know, uh, appropriately enough, uh, makes 510 horsepower, um, <laughs> hence the name. Um, and the, and this is something I told Jim Morrison when we were riding together. It's like the engine feels great, but driving so many EVs lately, I've been spoiled. Yeah, even <laughs> even with yeah, five get... even with five hundred and ten horsepower and you know almost as much torque, you know, as many foot pounds of torque, it didn't feel exceptionally. I mean, it is quick, but yeah. it doesn't feel. It, you don't have that instantaneous thrust that you get with an electric powertrain, and it almost feel it almost felt a little disappointing. Well, you um, know, I would have to agree with you, Sam. Like this, it's if you're comparing this to other gas engines if you try and take your head mm -hmm. out of the ev engine thing or the ev no engine the ev motors the electric vehicles it's great but you the more we drive electrics and like having been in an ev i'm driving that gv60 for the last week <clears throat> driving that for a week and seeing how just it's so responsive you hit the gas and you hit the accelerator and you go i mean you just go there's no hesitation it is such strong acceleration it is it, there's it's not like it's there's a performance focus specifically in this car but man does it perform then you go to these really powerful gas engines and suddenly they don't feel like they felt two years ago mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah. and it's something that i think if you haven't driven an ev or spent some time in an ev you're probably not going to notice but as evs are becoming a bigger and bigger thing these really powerful engines that are gas suddenly don't feel like they did but like that said comparing this to gas to gas i think it's good as soon as you compare it to an ev then things kind of go sideways yeah absolutely um yeah and yeah have, having driven you know the the lightning the f-150 lightning and you know the hummer which is even you know at least wider and and heavier than the wagoneer you you really you really notice that difference in the wow. The perceived performance of it so it's going to be really interesting in a couple of years when jeep does launch an electric version of the wagoneer to see what that feels like um with i can't wait to drive that yeah i gotta say i can't wait to start driving some ev fully ev jeeps that'll be cool that'll yeah. be a neat thing to see 
but you know this thing is yeah. you know surprisingly quiet very little wind noise um road noise was really even even as we were riding along on a gravel road for several miles you mm-hmm. know as, with with jim um you know and recording that interview as we were as we we're going along you were driving um you know the the amount of road noise that came came through was surprisingly muted um so it was you know it's a very impressive vehicle right it's a nice smooth quiet ride Mm -hmm. nice responsive engine you get the extra room i mean i think it's a good i think for the person who wants that it's for who wants a responsive vehicle and you want the l if you want all that extra space go for it it's just it's a narrow range of people who want that but for those looking for it i i like this i think it's a good option i love that and i just love that you can get this big beast of a vehicle and it does have that capability not so much that I think I'd be off-roading in something this big. But if I did have something like this, it would be really nice to think like the next blizzard that we have, I'm not going to be stuck. Like, you know, in this great big heavy beast of a vehicle, you can probably still get through that giant snowbank at the end of your driveway and get out if you need to get out. I like that. All right. Um, we did, as I said, we did uh, record an interview with Jim Morrison, head of Jeep North America. Um, and I'm going to drop that in here. So have a listen. It's about 23 minutes or so. Um, and then we'll be right back to finish a couple other stories and answer some questions. So Wagoneer is a sub-brand for Jeep. How do you kind of see that playing out? The the way way I've kind of interpreted it, correct me if I'm wrong, is kind of like, you know, you've got Land Rover and they've got Range Rover, which is pretty cool. You know, to be out of the marketplace really, you know, over 30 years since we've been selling in this segment, um, to come back and, and uh, get the number two, and then you know be the top of the uh, the game from the overall appeal, which means you know, customers are looking at us. They think it's you know a good choice. I would argue that everybody's looking for the best choice, and to be on top, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. So you know, I think once we get the chips flowing a little bit better and that kind of normal supply of these things available for our customers, I think we'll be able to continue to grow. Do you see that getting better? Is the supply issue? seem to be easing or is it still a little bit of a battle oh boy i uh <laughs> I, I thought i thought it was going to get easier you know, uh, last uh, year i thought it was going to be easier last month i thought it was going to get easier last week um none of which have come to fruition where have they been coming from have they been moving up from grand cherokee wrangler and so on uh or what what percent what share of your customers are coming from other brands you know the majority of the uh, customers that we have so far, by far, I mean, um, you know, 60, 70%, depending on the month, uh, are coming from, you know, other um, brands that have similar like size vehicles. Um, you know, we are getting some people, you know, that uh, have, you know, a bigger need for even big, bigger vehicle than Grand Cherokee, you know, some from Wrangler. Um, but most of them have uh, been uh, from competitive brands. It's been really a lot of incremental business for uh, for us and our dealers. Uh oh, pause. Green cream. What are you gonna ask next? Um, I have fluffy yeah. questions. Do you have easy questions? I got softballs. Okay. You gotta ask some hard hitting automotive journalism. That's you. Okay. So um, yeah, one of the, the things about this vehicle we're in right now is. Grand Wagoneer, Wagoneer L is it's the first product with the Hurricane inline six, and um, uh, I was actually really su- surprised to hear that Stellantis was developing a new inline six cylinder engine because, um, you know, as anyone familiar with engines knows, the inline six 
is the perfect form factor for an internal combustion engine because um, of smoothness and, and capability. But um, why, I guess, why a new internal combustion engine for Jeep or for Stellantis at this stage as you're also making big transition towards electrification? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, we, we've got a great electrification plan where we told the world, you know, we showed them two new uh, all-electric vehicles we're going to have in the marketplace by uh, 2025. Uh, we even predicted that, you know, kind of half of the sales by that period of time would be uh, um, all-electric vehicles. And then, but the other half are going to be, you know, gas-powered. And uh, what better way to offer our customers, you know, more fuel efficiency and more power. It's a way to have your cake and eat it, too. I mean, this vehicle, um, you know, gets uh, 60 and 80 horsepower more than the V8s that it replaced, and it's going to get three or four, um, or two or three miles per gallon better, even with the, that horsepower gain. And uh, you know, that's that's really you know some good stuff. This thing that we're driving in right now, 24 miles per gallon, is uh, is pretty incredible given how big it is and and uh, how capable it is. Uh, these things will also tow 10,000 pounds, so it's a great combination of more efficiency at the same time giving our customers what they want, which is uh, you know, more power and, and all the capability they expect. Is that 24, the, the projected um, uh, highway fuel economy? It's the estimated uh, highway fuel economy for, uh, for a Wagoneer uh, with, a, uh, with a hurricane. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering about when you're talking about the towing, even for off-roading, do you know what percentage of people actually take? Because you don't really think of off you think of off-roading the Wrangler. Yes. You don't think of doing it in this, but we did. You totally can. What percentage of people actually do that in in these in the Wagoneer, the Grand Wagoneer? You know, I'll uh, I'll say that 100% uh, of the customers want to know they can, <laughs> um, and most won't. Okay. Right? Some will do what they what we just did, which was you know I go up to the top of that hill, check on the cows. <laughs> you know, um, now we actually went through a bit of a river, and you know that was kind of cool too. Or get to their favorite uh, fishing spot, like my grandfather did with his best friend and his uh, his grand wagoneer. You know, I mean that that's how they got to the fishing spot. Um, you know, but most honestly won't go off road. But because it has Jeep heritage and it's part of the Jeep family, we need to make sure they know they've got the best 4x4 system. And whether they need to or they just want to keep their family safe, they know they've got the best. They've got it anyway. Like, this is crazy. This this Wagoneer, you can, it's got active drive um, and quad to drive. Quad to drive, you can actually lift up and drop down one wheel, and it will put 100% of the power, actively manage the torque, and push it around to that one wheel that's got all the power and push it forward. So that means if you're, you know, silly enough to have only one wheel on the ground <laughs> as you went through the brook, or, you know, you've got a real slippery situation where you've got ice and snow, um, customers won't care about all that. They'll just know that when they press the gas, it goes forward. That makes sense. You mentioned 10,000 pound towing capability with this SUV, and you know, what we've seen from the electric trucks that are on the market today, they can also, at least you know, two of the three pickups, um, can also tow 10,000 pounds. But what they can't do is tow 10,000 pounds for a very long distance. And you know, do you think that? The ability to, to tow long distances, you know, at least for now, is still going to be a, a driver for customers to choose a gas or maybe a plug-in hybrid at some point um, as an alternative to an electric version of this. You're absolutely right, Sam. People 
buy these vehicles, you know, versus a smaller vehicle like a Grand Cherokee or um, a Wrangler because they need lots of space for their people and their stuff, you know, and it'll either have, you know, full of kids, you know, going to a soccer tournament uh, or, you know, full of um, hockey gear and stuff, you know, if you're a, if you're a goalie a parent, you know, you got one of these things, you know, but if, if um, you know, that's why they're buying these things. They often have, you know, big trailers, horse trailers, um, trailers for their, for their toys, you know, and that's, they, they don't want any compromise when it comes to that. And the, the people that are buying these, you know, 60, 80 or $110,000, you know, Wagoneers and Grand Wagoneers, they've got lots of choice. They don't want to give up what they're doing. You know, because they they've got to make a different choice with their powertrain. So we thought it really important to make sure that uh, you know the new Hurricanes were able to still do the uh, the 10,000 pounds that the, uh, the previous V8s were able to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I think you saw today, it was able to do it with uh, with you know extra fun to spare. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to watch how the market develops over the next several years. Um, you know, especially for the people that do need this kind of capability. Yes, for sure. Sorry, we're playing with navigation. In the background, what you can't see is that I'm trying to follow navigation through this teeny little town. I'm about to miss my turn. That's I thought that's what you were saying. You wanted to make it go north. That's exactly what I was well, saying. Got it right okay. Okay. We got it. Yes, in the cluster. Oh, I think I see, but I always look at the infotainment screen. I never use the cluster. I always use the infotainment screen for navigation. I just never look here. I know, you made it so It's that also in the HUD right in front of you. I have sunglasses on. It's a little hard to see the HUD. Or it's probably adjusted to the wrong height for you. So I always find. Because it'll work with even with polarized. It does, but it's brighter when you take them off now. It definitely is brighter. Like, I can see it, but it's a little bit brighter. No, I think it's adjusted for Sam, not for Nicole height. So, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Sam, I forgot your question. Oh, just, you know, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the market develops over the next five, eight years, you know, through the rest of this decade as we start to uh, get more and more battery electric versions, but also you're going to be introducing plug-in hybrid versions of most of your lineup over the next several years, and to see how, how uh, kind of how that breaks down based on use cases yeah. uh, for different customers. You know, those that need to tow maybe opt for a gas or a plug-in hybrid version, uh, and those that you know, don't necessarily need the long-distance towing capability might go electric. Yeah, and I think. A little bit of fun there, um, too, is, is what I said a couple of uh, weeks ago in our in our Orbite day, which was we're going to have uh, 500 miles combined range, you know, with uh, with this with its electric variant that's coming out uh, in a couple of years. So, with a battery electric variant of this or a plug-in hybrid? We didn't say, but with an electrified sure. variant. Yes, uh, all I all we said was combined range. Let <laughs> me okay. clarify, I'm not getting tripped up. We yes. didn't tell you yes. that. Yes. Nice try, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He lulls you into this small sense that he knew you were going to Wait, wait, wait. Don't look back. Don't look back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So combined range. Uh, we uh, we probably assume that's going to be a plug-in hybrid, and perhaps paired with this hurricane engine. He says nothing. <laughs> He's silent. Gotta go. <laughs> now, remember when you said you're, you're now? Now over to Nicole. She's had her questions. Her, her questions were going to be fun. Sam's are getting harder. Sam's so, getting too hard. Yeah, it's too tough. And you were encouraging it too. That was the worst thing. So that's what I do. I yeah. encourage bad behavior. It's my yeah. job. Yeah. What my fluff question would be was: as you're trying to take a sip of your drink, um, 
favorite interior, because I have a favorite interior, the, the little themed interiors in the Grand Wagoneer. There's mm -hmm. one I like the best. What's your favorite? It is definitely Tupelo. Tupelo. Which one is that? Is that the sort of honey-colored one? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and I actually like it because that's, that's I call it the Ferrari leather. Uh, Ferrari leather. Ferrari leather, yeah. Sort of a caramel color. That's leather. actually okay. the, the exact Ferrari color that I got permission from the CEO of Ferrari to use. You did um, not, did yes, you really? Yes. So it's it's the Ferrari color because you were just like, I like the color with it in my, in my car? Yeah, it was always my favorite color and it's just cool to say Ferrari. Okay, no, that's um, really cool. Yeah. I, that's a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> that was Sergio. That was Sergio? He was yeah. the one who, yeah? Yeah, he was the, the CEO of Ferrari. And would you go Grand Wagoneer or Wagoneer? You're buying one for yourself to haul your horse trailer around. Yeah, you know what? That's that's tough. You because, have to pick one. Um, On the spot, pick one. You that's know, there is to have that be a more performance oriented. You know, Tim. Okay. No, Tim's done a great job. He's he's done a great job with uh, you know, with the Dodge brand and, and uh, really defining that customer. And he's got some cool stuff coming for. Uh, uh, when, when I heard Pratsonic exhaust system. Okay, <laughs> that, that is, you know, that's kind of out there, you know. It, but you know, I think it fits. It fits with the Dodge brand, you know, especially with the kind of vehicles Dodge has been building over the last decade. You know, to have something like that. And then when I actually heard it uh, at the reveal, that was pretty cool. So, um, you know, be curious to see what you guys do. What pieces of that that, that uh, you use for Jeep, uh, and, and then for for recon. Um, I guess, well, first of all, you know, just expanding the, the Jeep, continuing to expand the Jeep brand. Jeep already has more nameplates than, you know, the other three North American brands combined. You know, how, how big can Jeep get? Sky's the limit. Because, you know, we keep listening to our customers and our customers keep telling us what they want us to do with the Jeep brand. But what's really interesting is as we've stay true to our form, which is, you know, build really good 4x4s, um, and, you know, identify with freedom, adventure, authenticity, and passion. More and more of America wants to do that. And before we take a look at, you know, I would submit to you the good four-wheel drive systems. You know, and you think back to um, the way we launched the Grand Cherokee, when I drove it up the uh, lines back, it went up 65 degrees. One of the things that enabled that was the electric powertrain, mm -hmm. right? You can't leave a gas engine at 65 degrees for very long before all, all the oil doesn't go up and you burn up your uh, uh, your, your gas engine. Well, the electric it doesn't care. Right. Um, it was just happy to deliver the um, you know the power to the ground and uh, was able to do that really confidently. So it's it's nice that we have that uh, kind of next step of four by four technology, which is you know, people, what people expect from uh, from us at Jeep. Yeah, having driven the, the Grand Cherokee 4 by e earlier this year um, in Texas on an off-road trail, and then um, the uh, the Wrangler um, during the Mama Spring Rally on a really muddy off-road trail. Yeah, you know, the that putting it in electric mode is so cool. You know, you still have that all that torque, uh, but the silent. You know, you can just hear everything around you is a really interesting experience when you're off-roading. It is a different dimension that I don't think anybody really, you know, thought of, um, you know, to that, to that level. But once you drive in complete silence, it's connect really with cool. nature, it is really cool. And, and you don't want to go back, you, you know. And, and 
when you think of the the, uh, the torque that we deliver through our 4xe wrangler system it's 470 pound feet of torque you know to put it in perspective our best before that was the diesel at 420 yeah right so it's got gobs more torque and it's instant and it's quiet you take the doors off and the top off and you're just all you can hear is a little bit of wheels on the rock or, or wheels on the like sand. Scraping yeah, over you the hear scraping, all the, you hear yeah. the crunch of everything underneath. And it's just so cool that, um, you know, it's it's a great Jeep, but it's really a great experience that, um, you know, once you've done it in complete quiet, it's uh, it's a bit of a game changer. So my husband, which our listeners know, has a 4 by e and someone ducked his Jeep this morning. He got a little rubber duck on his Oh, Jeep. nice. Good. He's really excited. Good. So he put a picture on the little Duck Duck Jeep New Hampshire forum that yeah. we have. And everybody saw the little flap, the little charge port, and people didn't know what the charge port was. And everybody said, are those mirrors that pop out from when you're off-road? They all thought they were pop-out mirrors. <laughs> that was the thing. So people didn't, they're huge Jeep fans, still don't even necessarily know that the 4xE is out there yet. More importantly, I'm stuck on the, I can do that as a mirror. Why didn't I think yeah, of that right? until Yeah, right? A now. little pop-out mirror. He's right. like, he actually says, like, you got it. So I'm like, yeah. He's like, you just went boom and popped out the mirror. So when you're off-road, there's your mirrors. And then when you're back like normal, pop them back. It takes five minutes to put the... We have a removable mirror. Yeah. That, but it takes five minutes to put yeah. on. Yeah. Now she just um, make a charge port. Now it just pops out. I can just stick a mirror on that. See? Yes, thank there you. There you go. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll send you uh, <laughs> the, uh, the $10 for the first five. Excellent. Make thank you. Yeah. Perfect. My yeah. $10 commission for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't forget the question, though, because that was I was so excited about why isn't that a mirror. <laughs> why, isn't like, why isn't it a mirror? Wouldn't that be cool if you just like, popped in and you had mirrors? That's yeah. all. You wouldn't have to worry about putting stuff in and out. And, yeah. yeah. Just tucked right in there, whatever you needed them. Yep. So uh, with the Recon, um, yeah. that's a roughly Wrangler-sized vehicle. Um that's going to be electric. Uh, I think you kind of hit, at least hinted at that there's also going to be an electric a BEV Wrangler. Um, do, do you see those two vehicles potentially cannibalizing each other? You know, um, I, I don't think so. You know, I mean, obviously there's going to be different people that are at different stages drawn to both, but I think if we do it right, we'll be able to... Um, you know, support vehicles and, and build both, you know, like we did with uh, with Wrangler and Gladiator, you know, because we've expanded the scope of you know, having, you know, true pickup truck capability for people that want a Gladiator and, you know, um, continue to improve Wrangler, we've actually set records with both Wrangler and Gladiator, so by definition, you know, there, there's no such a little more focused. Yeah, so, you know, with that same sort of attention and formula applied to uh, Wrangler and, uh, and Recon, you know, expect to attract more people to the, you know, to the brand, and you know, some of them might, you know, come in on a Wrangler and, and decide, hey, I want that Recon, or come in on a, on a Recon and think, oh, I really want that uh, that Wrangler. So, nice to have uh, some choice for them. But you know, like we're seeing with 4xE Wranglers, uh, a lot of a different customer than we we have with our normal Wranglers. In fact, two thirds of those uh, 4xE customers are uh, are only seriously cross shopping other electric vehicles. So, you know, pretty uh, dramatic when you take a look. In fact, it's helping us because it's underwritten the first best first half of the year um, yet for uh, for Wrangler um, and, um, you know, bringing new customers to the brand. And, you know, once, once they become a Jeep person, you know, you're always a Jeep person, so uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll keep them around. But, uh, you know, I expect more of that kind of formula applied, Sam, to both uh, Wrangler and uh, um, the Recon. On kind of a different tangent from that, um, 
talk about cross shopping and the dealers um, have been a challenge when it comes to selling EVs for a lot of automakers. Um, and um, you know, I know I know somebody who recently um, was looking uh, for a new SUV uh, to replace a Toyota FJ Cruiser, and they went in. They looked at the, the Wrangler 4 by E. They uh, they also looked at a Toyota 4Runner and uh, Land Rover Defender, uh, and they they were disappointed in their experience with the, the Jeep dealer because the the Wrangler 4 by E had not been charged up. Yeah, he wanted to. This is somebody who also owns a Tesla. Yes. And owns two other EVs, owns a Tesla and a BMW i3, um, and was really hoping to get something electrified. But he was disappointed in the experience he had with the Jeep dealer because the, the car was, or the, the, the Wrangler was not had, had not been charged up. And he couldn't get an opportunity to test drive it with uh, in electric mode to see what that experience was like. Um, how how are Jeep dealers? Um, Accepting, or you know, how are they responding to the shift towards electrification? Are you having any challenges with them? And is are you planning anything like some of, some of your competitors are doing, with maybe potentially buying out some dealers that don't want to go down the electric path, or um, you know, maybe having new dealer agreements that require certain things for selling EVs? Yeah, no, nothing you know really dramatic like that. I mean, we uh, uh, come from the dealer world, and you know, we've got our dealer partners. Obviously, you know, we continue to train them, and they're doing, you know, well. I mean, with the, with the 4YE, it is America's number one selling plug-in. I'm, I'm embarrassed to hear of, of that challenge you had with your friend. We'd like to figure out how and make sure that that never happens to another customer. But sometimes, you know, with, with our Wranglers of late, not to make excuses, but they've been coming and going so fast that my guess is that would probably just got off the truck, uh, you know, and, and didn't have a chance to even be, to be properly PDI'd and set up. Uh, but it's not a good... You know, excuse. I mean, it's making excuses now. There's, there's no excuse for that. Um, but I, I, overall, our dealer body is performing very well. In fact, we've recently uh, upgraded them all with uh, with Wagoneer, and, and uh, there's even a select group of um, certified Wagoneer dealers that have gone through another level of training to make sure that customer experience is uh, is number one. And I'm happy to report that that's working. Wagoneer has got the highest. Uh, customer satisfaction within our dealer channel, and then the whole Jeep brand is the best performing. You know, with with that sort of training towards the customer experience, you know, taking it up uh, one extra level. So always room to improve, and, and lots of room to improve to continue to get uh, to be best in class. But um, you know, we're, we are focusing on it and trying to make our customers' experiences even better and better. I'm sorry, I'm focusing on the whole driving the car thing, oh. so I'm occasionally putting a question in if I'm not looking at navigation. Um, so I have no questions. I have no questions. I hit them with my really tough fluff questions, so, yeah. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's all I've got. Okay. Um, anything else you want to tell us about Jeep that we haven't talked about? Now he's speechless. I've never heard that in my whole life. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, no, I think you got most of it. I'm trying to think of anything else would get me in trouble. So. That's it? Yeah. That's all she wrote? Alright. Okay. All right. That's Thank it. That's jump. all we got. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate it. That was fun.
And, oh, by the way, we did this at 80 miles an hour. Which is the speed limit here. In a wagon here. And, interestingly enough, there is no wind noise no. in this thing, and there's no engine noise. Um, and one of the things I'm really proud to report, this, the, the, um, the hurricane in the Grand Wagon here is five decibels quieter than, than our previous motor was. So it's pretty cool how quiet this thing is. And five decibels in an interior is, is a lot. So, um, you know, we're, we're having this conversation. I wasn't even probably paying attention to the mic. I should have been. Um, yeah, it's literally but, sitting uh, on the center console between Jim and I, and Sam is sitting in the back seat. So it's quiet enough in the in this car to record this, sounding as good as it does. And, and Hurricane's going to be available in the standard Wagoners too, not not just the L, right? Correct. And it's standard on the uh, long wheelbase versions, and also available on the uh, on the shorties. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. All right, um, we're back. Uh, Jim Jim's a very cool guy. We like Jim a lot, um, yes. and you know, and, I mean, he's Canadian, so you know, you expect he him has to be, to nice. be nice. It's like yeah. it's he's not allowed to not be nice. That's right. It's yeah. it's, it's in the DNA. It's in the air and the <laughs> DNA. You know. um, all right, um, one more uh, one more new vehicle for this week, um, which. Uh, uh, by the time this comes out, the embargo will have lifted, which is the 2024 Chevy Trax. Uh, the Trax has been GM's entry-level crossover for, what, eight, nine years now? I think 2013 it came out. Uh, it's actually been around quite a while. Um, and this is the, they did a, a mid-cycle refresh a few years back, but it's still basically the same as it was, which is kind of a short, stubby-looking little crossover. Uh, you know, it's not a bad vehicle. I mean, it was, you know, relatively affordable, drove decently, but you know, nothing really special. And, um, this new tracks is really different. Um, what, what do you think? Uh, you know, it's exactly what you, what you expected. That's, that's, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing surprising here. Um, you know, it's following the, the, the current, um, their current design language. Uh, I think you said it was a little bit, it's a little bit bigger a little bit lower everyone is just actually slowly... a lot bigger it's 11 inches it's longer lot... than before uh, so it's a lot bigger yeah. <laughs> but bigger. everyone's everyone is slowly transforming their small suvs into hatchbacks and wagons but they're still calling them like crossovers mm -hmm. <laughs> they're like we'll just keep doing the thing but we're not going to say anything we're going to keep the naming the same but we're yeah everyone everything's coming turning back into a, a hatchback and a cross in a in a wagon yeah. You can't call it a wagon. You can't call anything a wagon, Robbie. Don't do that. Nope. Americans won't buy it if you call it a wagon. Do not call it a wagon. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's like four, you know, 14 inch or 11 inches longer um, and uh, a couple inches wider and and um, so, uh, four inches lower. The roof line is four inches lower than before. It still sits up fairly high, but the roof line is lower. But yeah, you're, you know, it's got a lot of the design language that you see on the Equinox EV um and you know the blazer the trailblazer uh it's actually bigger than the trailblazer now um is it really yeah it is it's it's like three or four inches longer than trailblazer uh but it, but the trailblazer is taller um and there's no all-wheel drive available on the new equinox it's only front wheel drive so this is and it, it 
um, the engine is instead of the, the 1.4 liter turbo they had before, it's now 1.2 liter three cylinder. So the same base engine that's in the, uh, the trailblazer, 137 horsepower, 162 foot pounds of torque, which should be plenty. You know, I've driven that in the trailblazer. It's a, it's a nice engine, um, and, uh, should, should do fine. Uh, and you know, so it'll have a lot more rear seat leg room than before three inches of extra rear seat leg room compared to before um and uh it's also the the cheapest chevy uh and in this age of uh inflation it's actually the the 2023 model or 20, 2024 is actually going to be fourteen hundred dollars cheaper than the current tracks uh wow. base price 21495 including delivery charge uh, which is, is pretty impressive. And then the, the most expensive variant, the, uh, the active, uh, or the two RS and the active are both 24, 995, uh, base price. So five trim levels, all under $25,000 to start. Um, and, uh, this goes on sale in the spring. Um, they're adding a bunch of, uh, driver assist features as, as everybody's doing now, um, get better infotainment system than before, eight inch touchscreen standard 11 inch optional similar kind of design to what we saw in the equinox ev um and uh and the blazer uh inside uh so it, it should do all right the interior it looks good i mean the interior yeah. looks good if the it's hard to tell you know as soon as you're looking at a picture and things look great then you get to it live and in person and the the textures and the, the look of it isn't as good but i mean if it if it looks as pretty in the real world as it does in the pictures it's got it's got a decent interior too and and to be honest I like the design, the exterior design of this better than the HRV. The new HRV is a little bland. Yeah. Um, you know, the, this, this tracks, I think looks a lot looks better. Nice. Yeah. It has a little more yeah. personality. Yeah. 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 I do like that. They put that they have a rear, the rear vision camera as standard, you know, the backup camera that you legally have. To <laughs> yeah. Have everybody's required to have by law. Right. I'm like, you don't have to put that in there. Yeah. Every now and then you still find things that has something like steering wheel standard. I'm like, really? Standard. That's good. Okay, thanks for that. Seatbelts, <laughs> standard. Ooh. Look at your Airbags, fancy. ABS, you got it. I was looking at it, it's like rear vision camera standard. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Is this just the backup camera? Or is this like, you know, the, you know, they have it in the, the Cadillac and then the Bolt and a couple other vehicles that, you know, that. Fancy that one. View. Yeah. Yeah. Where you look in the, the rear view mirror and it's a, it's a camera. And, oh. uh, but no, no this... I, I did a quick search just to double check. And it's their it's backup. When in reverse, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um, one more item here. Um, Motional and Uber announced a 10 year deal the other day to deploy Motional's autonomous vehicles um, on uh, on the Uber network, um, starting with an unknown location before the end of this year. Um, Motional is the joint venture of Hyundai and Aptiv, the automotive supplier. Uh, and they've been working together on, on AVs for a couple of years now. Um, and, um, you know, previously Uber had been trying to develop their own AV system. They had a division called Uber ATG advanced vehicle, advanced technology group, which they decided to cancel and they sold that off or actually really gave it away to uh, Aurora <laughs> innovations. Um, and now they're doing deals to bring other people's AVs to their network. So uh, emotional, um, is going to start deploying their vehicles on the Uber network by the end of the year. Um, and uh, most likely the, the first location will be Las Vegas where Motional and its predecessor companies, uh, Aptiv and Delphi have already been operating 
these vehicles on the lift network since mid-2018. Um, so that's probably where we'll see them start. Uh, but Motional's also been operating some some of their vehicles with Uber Eats in um, Santa Monica uh, since early this year. So it's not the first part of the relationship with Uber, but uh, it's growing. And, and, you know, I think Motional is saying that they, they plan to have driverless operations. They still have safety drivers for now, but they're going to launch driverless operations in 2023 across multiple cities. Um, and so it looks like both Uber and Lyft will be part of that uh, part of that program next year. Interesting. That'll be cool. Especially, yeah, I think it's cool considering that. Cruise is like we're doing a thing, and then we all went down and saw the thing, and then after the thing, a bunch of things happened. Yeah, <laughs> we're like not doing the thing. Oh, uh, the cars got yeah, the cars got stuck. Change yeah, your mind about the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I understand it's you know that's what you have to do. That's it's learning, but also you know, I've I've been in the city where you get stuck behind a cruise vehicle, and you're just like, oh. <laughs> never leaving here ever <laughs> it's like being in a mud pit, <laughs> a mud pit. what's that like the, Sam? Mud, <laughs> the mud pit of the march of technology yeah. <laughs> all right um little quick follow-up on uh from the last show we talked about uh the tfl truck guys um roman micah they, they got a hummer ev and uh it died on them in traffic um they got it to the dealership uh turns out required a software update on one of the modules. Um, they did that. They updated the software. Apparently it's all working good now. They're all good for now. Until, the, until the next bug. Until the until next, next thing bug. pops New up car. and suddenly we have another video from them and now we're stuck for this reason. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't entirely clear exactly what the root cause of the problem was from the video, but but they, they got it fixed. And it's they got to figure it out. I guess that's yeah. all that matters. And it's working fine now. I'd have a chance to watch the video. It's yeah, all good. Apparently. Okay. I didn't watch the, I didn't watch all 43 minutes of it, but at yeah. least through the first 10 minutes, it was still running. So. Seems like it was working. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's answer a few questions. Um, first um, from, uh, from Twitter, uh, the, I'm not even going to try to say his username. He just said, uh, just use, D, just call him DC. Uh, so a couple of questions here from DC. Uh, Do you guys have any plans on test driving the Fisker ocean and are ceramic coatings worth the money? If not, any alternatives? So, um, yes, yes, on the ocean. No, is, one, number one, yes, yeah, number as, one. As soon, yes. as soon as we get the opportunity, yeah, we will absolutely be driving it. Um, production is supposed to start next month uh, in Austria, and hopefully, in the next couple of months, we'll get our first opportunity to get behind the wheel of the ocean. Um, and then ceramic coatings. I, I've never done a ceramic coating on a car. Have either of you? Are we talking about brakes? No, I think they're no. talking about the ceramic coatings that you can put, you know, to as paint finish protectors. I'm assuming that's what he's talking about. Oh, I thought it was like ceramic brakes. Because I was going to say ceramic brakes are great if you race. Yeah. And everything else, don't. And they squeak. <laughs> yeah. You, you buy the, like the best brakes in the world for driving around town that squeak. Yeah. And those aren't, I mean, those aren't really coated. It's, it's a carbon ceramic, ceramic composite. Ceramic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're the coatings. Can't you just get that little plastic thing they put on the cars? Like I get a lot of like whenever you get a Porsche yeah. or like a really nice vehicle where they're trying to like keep it. They, keep they it have pristine. like a little. Yeah. They have this like really thin like plastic wrap on it on mm -hmm. the front that you can't really tell it's there. You have to, like, you oh, look. Yeah. You have if to you really look closely, look. you can see the seam. Yeah. 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 You can see the seam. I think like those are probably worth the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the ceramic coatings. I've never I've never had cause to put one put put that on any of my cars they weren't they weren't worth the effort and the money 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lord Cow Wow. Um, convertible. Is it Cow Wow or Cow Cow? Cow Cow. Sorry. Yes. You're right. Lord Cow Cow. <laughs> I'm sorry. We don't want to mess up someone's made-up name. <laughs> Con- convertible, T-top, or Target top. Uh, also, any word on if either the either of the latter will be coming to the Supra? Um, I, I mean, I'm a convertible person myself. I like convert. I've had I a go convertible. That would yeah, be my convertible. Choice. I've had a I've had a, a, but, I've driven T-tops. Yeah, and a Target top. Convertible is just better. And the first time I drove the Supra, my first thought was this should be a convertible. Yeah. But my guess is we probably will not see a super convertible. I don't think so either. Because, um, you know, this was jointly developed with BMW. Uh, BMW sells the Z4 on the same architecture. Um, I don't, I, I, I have a hard time believing Toyota is going to spend the money to engineer a convertible version of the Supra given the relatively limited sales volumes. Yeah. They should make a T top though. Because they, they, they or Targa, Toyota, they they had a Targa on the fourth gen Supra back in the nineties. Oh, that's true. Oh, that was a long time ago. Tops would just 90s. feel like you can feel like smoking the Bandit and just. <laughs> <laughs> the, th- the thing about T tops, you know, you go back, especially you know, in the eighties and nineties, you know, when they had T tops, um, they frequently leaked. Um, so you know, that was the eighties and nineties. I'm yeah. anti T top because I had this boss once who had a car with a T top, and she was horrible. I hated that. Oh. that human so now it's like i associate with him like no she had i had one. a del sol which was essentially a t-top without the t because it just had the and you slap that was it more in. of a targa really yeah it was more of a targa that's true yeah but i wish it had a t i mean wait isn't the hummer a t-top wait hold uh on. yes it is I guess hummer ev is a t-top so we still t-tops are back man yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if they do it anymore the hummer's got it they're back they're wait, back. like wait, wait what's a t-top all right uh justin asked are we to believe Elon and ex- well, I think the, the answer to your question is right, right in that first right clause. <laughs> are we to believe Elon? No. Uh, are we to believe Elon and expect Tesla to deliver the Tesla semi to Pepsi on December 1st? Uh, do we believe it will be just one truck or several? And if it actually does have the 500 miles of range, just how heavy are the batteries going to weigh? Oh my gosh, the weight of those batteries. So ginormous batteries. It will make the, the Hummer look like a lightweight little tiny thing. I, I, I'm guessing um, that the number of trucks that they'll deliver to Pepsi in December, assuming they, they hit that date, um, will be in the low single digits. Uh, it's not yeah. going to be a whole fleet of trucks. A giant fleet of vehicles. I, I also do not believe it will have 500 miles of range because <laughs> if you do the math um, and as, as an engineer, I sometimes do the math. Do the math because that's what engineers do. The math. You're, you're going to need. Somewhere around 15,000 pounds worth of batteries at a minimum to hit 500 which, miles of range. Yep. Which also diminishes your the amount of load that you can carry. Right. Which is like load is the whole point of a semi. Yes. <laughs> you get paid <laughs> no. by how many pounds of freight you can carry. And they're limited in most states to 40 tons, 80,000 pounds. And if you're taking up 15,000 pounds just for the batteries, yeah, that, that doesn't work so well. It's like driving around. You're already you've already just tossed a Hummer EV into your yeah. <laughs> into your truck. <laughs> a Hummer and a half, actually. A Hummer and a, Hummer half. And a half. Yeah. Well, you have to take into no, yeah, because we're not counting the 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 yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I suspect that they will probably cobble together a small handful of of these trucks and 
put them in a Pepsi fleet for testing. Uh, but you know, it'll probably have about 250 to 300 miles of range at most, similar to the other electric semis that are already being delivered by Volvo and Daimler and, uh, uh, and a, yeah, and, and Packar and, and a couple of other companies, truck companies. There are already trucks on the road. That's the crazy thing. I've ridden in these trucks. Yeah. I've already, I've driven in some cases I've driven these big trucks and everyone's like, Oh, the Tesla semi. I'm like, there's already ones out there. Yeah. And if you're going to buy it from somewhere, you're going to buy it from established company that you've been working with for decades, you know, Daimler with, which owns Freightliner, Mac, a bunch of other companies. Or are you going to buy it from the one company that has not a great, uh, service record, yeah. um, a little questionable. Yeah. yeah the the thing yeah. is, if and you, if you own a thing is service, if you, if you own a fleet and you know, something goes wrong with one of your trucks, you want it to be fixed and back on the road like yesterday. Cause you're losing money. Yeah. If you're you not, don't... if you're not hauling goods with that, you were losing money. Yeah. You are not going to tolerate waiting six weeks for a service appointment or six weeks for parts. You know, that's just, that's not yeah. going to happen. Right. Yeah, that's uh, when I talked to I talked to FedEx about this and Bright Drop, and they were like, "It's almost a no-brainer because Bright Drop is part of GM, and uh -huh. GM has a huge service network. Like, do 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 I want to invest a bunch of money in vehicles that I know can be serviced because I need these vehicles on the road all the time? You can't just like, oh, the truck doesn't work, so Phil doesn't get to do his right. job today, or do I want to use a startup that may or may not be around in five years and doesn't have a service network? And you know, unless you happen to things. own that startup, like. Amazon mostly does with Rivian. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless you happen to own a startup with with Amazon and Rivian, but it's yeah, it's 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 a tough. I mean, I, you know, you want innovation, you want these startups, but at the same time, when you're looking at like especially fleets, that's they, the thing. Not, you, they're not there to they're not there to gamble. If they're not yeah. reliable enough, if the reliability isn't sort of guaranteed, and if the service isn't guaranteed, sort of the if they aren't reliable, you can get them fixed. A business can't afford that. I mean, that'll just sink yeah. you if you can't get the goods that need to be shipped to wherever they need to be. Yep. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough sell on that end. All right, last one from UMass to 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 UCR. Um, <laughs> asks what <laughs> what twenty twenty three EV SUVs will have vehicle to home capability. Um, so you know this is you know bidirectional charging capability like what you've got with the the Lightning right now. Where you know the the you can run your house off the battery in the in the vehicle. Um, there's actually going to be probably uh, quite a few. Um, you know, the uh, the Volvo EX90 and the Polestar oh, yeah. Three are going to have it. Yeah. Um, I don't. Did Nissan say anything about if they're going to include that in the Aria? Because they. I don't remember the them saying does. that. I don't want to say they don't. I don't remember that being a part of things, but I I I don't want to say no, Sam, because I I okay. don't know for sure. But the Leaf does because Chatamo just supports it forever. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and GM um, is going to be supporting this um, on EVs that have their high output 19.2 kilowatt onboard charger. That will actually be a bi-directional charger. Um, and actually this week, uh, GM is announcing the formation of another new business unit called GM Energy that is going to offer um, uh, stationary storage batteries. So for both home and for commercial applications, so things like Tesla Powerwalls. Um, and it'll also have fleet management stuff for managing fleet charging, but also, you know, you'll be able to manage your, your home charging, um, and do things like, um, you know, uh, you know, set it up for automatic power backup. If your power goes out, things like that. Um, so that's, that's part of a new business unit GM starting, um, and, uh, that, ID buzz. The ID buzz is going to have it. Um, 
trying to think. Uh, thir- Hyundai. Hyundai's got, they've got vehicle to load. It's pretty limited. It's like 1.9 kilowatts. I think they're trying to, I think they're, they're holding off until they, they launch Hyundai home. Yeah. Which is their whole like energy system. Yeah, I think it's, so. It's I've, I've been, I've been sort of hassling them about that for like I, a few months. So I'm, I'm trying to get like, once I get the, once, when I think once right, right before it comes out, I'll probably have a nice feature about it, but until then. Yeah. And I think the, sort of like you know, when the Ionic 7 and the Kia EV9, they're, they're bigger, they're three-row SUVs yeah, come out um, later next year, early 24, they'll probably have bigger batteries and have higher output vehicle-to-home capability. Yeah. So there there will be a bunch of options available. I think they're increasingly going to do it. I think it's just going to mm-hmm. take a little bit of time to roll it out, but it's going to become the norm pretty quick. Yeah. That's one of the, I mean, there's a few reasons why I really like the ID Buzz. It's a van i like vans <laughs> put the dogs in it we can go camping you can do all these things but i like the idea that it's probably not going to be the main vehicle we're driving every day so while it's at home it's just a you know it's just a battery for my house yeah so that's that's one of the selling points for me is having a you know future evs charging you know charging up at night or charging up with the, uh, the sun and then you and then discharging when you know during peak hours or discharging in the middle of the night and just sort of saving some cash yep all about saving cash saving I'm a cheap cheap man <laughs> <laughs> all right um and with that uh we'll call it a show and talk to you next time bye everybody bye bye